You're listening to the Resurgent ATL Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy today's message. Why don't we all stand and let's welcome Mr. Dub Alexander here this morning. Awesome, awesome. It's good to be with you guys. Thanks for having me. Man, so uh, I didn't know it was going to be Pastor Chris's last day, but... uh, he had a good run, and I'm just, I'm honored to be here to see him off, and uh, hilarious. Oh, my goodness. Man, uh, so first of all, thanks so much for extending your platform, Chris and Terry, and I uh, look forward to getting to know you guys, and man, just the, the drivenness that you move with, and the accuracy that you bring to the table, and the joy that you have, and the sustainability that you bring is, is a powerful combo, and so I can see why this church is awesome. You guys are awesome. Give it up for the worship team. That was, man, that was ridiculous. Oh my goodness. Is any of the worship team in here right now? Yeah, go ahead and stand up for me real quick. Anybody on the worship team? Yeah. As, uh, keep standing, stay standing, stay standing. So I had, a, I had a prophetic word for all of them, but they're out there doing coffee, hipster stuff. It's cool. So you get all the, all the words, man. But uh, yeah, but no, I did see, man, that, you know, there's such a, a grace on you uh, for the arts and entertainment sphere. And I just heard the Lord say that uh, triple threats will come from your, from your lineage, that there's going to be sons and daughters, grandsons, granddaughters that, that have both the singing, the acting, and the dancing on them. And that your, uh, your family is going to be known for impacting arts and entertainment to redeem it for the glory of God, to bring people into rest and recreation. So, uh, And I saw an Asaph anointing on you. I don't know if you already write worship songs, but there's a glory on your pen, man. So uh, keep doing it, bro, and bless you. Come on, give it up for Stephen. And the rest of them missed out. Oh, I see how it is. Hey. Hey, that's awesome. That's awesome. Let's see here. What did I have here? So, uh, so it's Julie, right? Julie. So I saw, uh, I saw two angels behind you with spears. And uh, it was like Guardians of the Galaxy where uh, Yondu would whistle and the arrow would go. And the, the sound of your song was directing the spears of the angels. And I saw the spears piercing the darkness. And uh, I, I heard the Lord say that there's, there is bilocational assignments on your sound. And you're going to begin to shift into a position where you'll be leading worship here. You'll be filling the room. You'll be stewarding the heart of the people and the heart of the Lord in this place. But you're also going to have awareness of what your worship is doing, uh, even not even in this nation, in other nations. The sound that you're releasing, it's like God is looking. God is always looking for authority of man to partner with to express dominion on the earth. And your sound is going to be lent to the Lord bilocational occasionally, both here in this place and elsewhere in the world. And it's going to guide the spears of those angels to, uh, to pierce the darkness in those places. So we just bless that grace that's on your life. And Julie. And then uh, Cody was on the drums, right? What's up, man? And so uh, for just a minute there, like I saw you as Papa Smurf on the drums, bro. And uh, 
I heard the Lord say that he is the fast track to the Father. And I feel that there's a dual meaning on that word. One is that you are a fast track to the Father, that those who are wise enough to recognize the anointing and gifting that you walk in, that you will bring them into the presence uh, with expediency. But also that in the maturation process of the kingdom, which is uh, son to king, king to father, that you're on the fast track to becoming a father in the kingdom. And you will be recognized as such at an early age, man. And so we bless you, bro. Come on. I see a I see a bass player over there. What's the bass player's name? Cole. Awesome. What's up, man? Uh, so I saw you. Uh, I saw you playing jazz, uh, and uh, I saw jazz surround like jazz music and scores surrounding your head. And what I heard the Lord say was that. Um, that for you, it's a free, you have this free flow anointing to be able to make sense of the nonsensical. And uh, I heard him say that the Trinity of truth stands ready to serve you. The Trinity of truth being wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. And I saw a grace coming upon your tongue to be able to communicate the mysteries of God, things that confuse others uh, with clarity and practicality. And so we bless that grace on your life, Cole. Awesome. He doesn't get any applause? The, see. Hey, man, I used to be a musician. I know the bass player always gets left out, man. But I got you. I got you. All right. I don't know if the rest is any of the other band members around. They good? Oh, they're back there. Oh, I see. All right. Uh, are both the guitarists back there? If you two guys could stand together, that'd be cool. Aaron and Mac. Aaron and Mac. Aaron, what's up, bro? Good to see you, man. Mac, what's happening, bro? So I saw, uh, first of all, I just, I noticed uh, the culture of honor that you two guys operate in. Um, having been a musician myself, I know when you have two guitarists of y'all's level, the way that you make room for each other to shine is really impressive. And so I just want to uh, honor you guys for the honor with which you operate together. And I heard the Lord say, uh, defender and deliverer. And uh, I heard the Lord say that, uh, so Mac is the one with the camo hat. Okay, awesome, awesome. Mac is uh, the one with all the hair. I'm not jealous, it's cool, I'm fine. Uh, I heard Mac, uh, the Lord say that you are, um, you're a defender and specifically of tenderness and innocence. And I heard the Lord say that you're God's protector of family. And uh, we, we have such a need in our nation for, for men to stand up uh, for, for innocence and tenderness, especially in the lives of children. And I see that you carry a strong anointing for that. And then, uh, what was the other one? Eric? Aaron. All right, if I was a real prophet, I'd know that. Aaron. And uh, Aaron, I heard the Lord say that you're a deliverer, defender and deliverer. And I heard the Lord say um, that he's, he has crafted you to be a deliverer of people from fear and from mental torment, uh, and that you're a life carrier, and that you are, a, I saw like a water pump, but you were drawing joy out of people. And so, man, I just bless the defender anointing and the deliverer anointing on the two of you guys, and I honor the way y'all work together. Come on, awesome. All right, sweet. So, man, I was so blessed by y'all's worship, man. I just wanted to give back a little bit. That was so good. All right, so, uh, man, I'm here because of uh, Jake and Rachel, and uh, I love these guys, and so thanks for the connection. And, uh, man, such an amazing family. 
And I really am so impressed with how Jake is taking the, the dream interpretation uh, in the kingdom to the next level. And I mean, he's the guy I reach out to if, uh, if there's a dream that I need help with, and he's the guy I send people to. So if you're unaware of the dream interpretation ministry that Jake has, uh, you are no longer unaware because I just told you. And you should take advantage of that. That's powerful. How many of you know that we're in a season where revival is maturing into reformation? And so what revival is to the individual, reformation is to the entity. I'll say that again. What revival is to the individual is what reformation is to the entity or to the system. What revival is to the soul is what reformation is to the system, right? And so how many of you know that some of the greatest reformers of culture throughout scripture, they were dreamers and they had the gift of the interpretation of dreams. And so it's so important for us as kingdom people in a season of reformation to sharpen that tool and to learn how to do it for ourselves, right? Like he can do it for you at a super high level, but more importantly, he can unlock that gift and anointing in you. Right? That's what impartation is all about. Impartation is not me taking something that is within me and depositing it in you. The fullness of Christ already resides within you. It's me taking a key that I have honed and earned and using it to unlock that piece that's in you. And Jake has the ability to unlock the gift of interpretation of dreams within you. And you would be wise to take advantage of that for the sake of the city. Come on, somebody. All right. Awesome. Awesome. So my name is Dub Alexander. I live in Amarillo, Texas now, uh, which is flat and yellow. There's no trees. The wind blows all the time. And so I'm thinking about moving to Georgia. No, I'm just playing. I'm joking. I'm joking. But, uh, you know, there's great people there. And so that's why I live there. I grew up in South Dallas, uh, a neighborhood called uh, South Oak Cliff. And, uh, but I moved to Amarillo in 99, been there ever since. I've uh, been married to my beautiful wife, Beth, for 17 years. We have a little girl named Cinda who's nine. She's hilarious and uh, makes life good. I have two core values. Number one, if I can't laugh, I'm not going. And, and number two, if we're not changing the world, I'm not playing. And so uh, the reason that I'm here this morning is so that we can laugh, have a good time, and because I believe that I've been given the opportunity to speak to a room full of world changers. Come on. How many of you know that you are the hope of the kingdom walking the earth? That when you show up, the kingdom shows up. When you show up, Holy Spirit shows up. When you show up, the atmosphere of heaven shows up because heaven is in you. And you simply release it out. You know, I used to have this messed up uh, idea about directionality of heaven. So I was always trying to pull heaven down from some unseen uh, distance. But then when I realized, oh, heaven is a place in God and God is in me, then I can simply release the atmosphere of heaven everywhere that I go. It became so much more simple. And so uh, we're going to have a good time today. I'm usually a, a line upon line teacher, and uh, I love a good whiteboard, all of those things. But uh, when I was preparing for this weekend, I felt like the Lord said, man, you just need to relax and tell a story. And so that's what I'm going to do today. And hopefully there will be some hashtag heavy revies uh, that will be released in the, in the story. And uh, the main point that I want to leave you with today is this, and that is that your place of pain becomes your place of rain. All right. How many of you know you can't lose in the kingdom? You can't lose because you are living from the victory of Jesus. And so, for instance, if you grew up with an amazing family and, and uh, you get to live from the benefits of that, you are operating from a kingdom principle called inheritance. But if you grew up an orphan 
or in an abusive home, then you get to operate from the kingdom principle of redemption. You can't lose. You're going to win either way. And so your place of pain, wherever it is, what has come into your life without permission to strike against you? Where is it that the enemy has used his limited resources to take a swing at you? Right? Because he operates from fear. And so the place where he touches you is actually where he is most afraid of what you carry. He is actually terrified in the area of your life that he has taken a shot of you at you. All right. So if you are faithful to simply walk through the healing process from that place of pain with the Holy Spirit, you will come out the other side, moving in a powerful level of authority and ready to do violence to the system of darkness. How about them apples? (laughs) He has apples. (laughs) Come on. It's going to have a good time. So I'm going to start the story this way. Uh, my dad is a cult leader. Oh, right? Yeah. This is going to be great. I, I, like to, I like to start that way because now half of the room is like, tell me more. And the other half is, I knew it, honey. Let's go. It was all over him. Oh, my goodness. So uh, what had happened was... Oh, I'll tell you the story of how this came to be. Uh, so uh, I grew up, my, my parents were ex-hippies. And uh, so um, they were like, they had like this weird, like anti-organizational, anti-establishment thing going on. So they were against organized medicine. They were against uh, organized, you know, public school systems, against the government. They were just like against anything that had any sort of organization or authority uh, structured to it. And um, I was number five out of 10 kids. Uh, I was born at home and uh, we were all homeschooled. And uh, we're white, if you weren't able to tell. Uh, (laughs) Discernment low in the room. Uh, But (laughs) I grew up in South Oak Cliff. We were the only white family. Anybody who's from the Dallas area, uh, we were the only white family in the hood, right? And so um, I didn't fit in really well. You know, I wanted to. And, uh, you know, I really just wanted to rap and play basketball. And the deck was stacked against me in both of those, uh, <laughs> both of those arenas. But, you know, I did what I could, you know. Um, and so, uh, you know, the, the first introduction that I kind of had to the idea of God was my grandfather, who was uh, a Church of Christ preacher. And uh, at Thanksgiving, he would always bless the meal, right? And so that was like the only time I ever heard anybody pray. And, you know, he was like really eloquent and, you know, he had kind of that flowery thing going on, like, you know, our most gracious heavenly father beaming down from the realms of glory. You know, he could pray like that, you know, and I would always like kind of be watching him. And I was one of those kids, I was like going to hedge my bets. And so I was like, my first prayer ever was, hey, God, if you're real, I'm on your side. I was like, I was like gonna, you know, make sure I was in good with whatever was going on there. Um, and so uh, I grew up in, in that kind of environment. And uh, when I was 11, my family met another uh, extremely large, ill-adjusted to society uh, family named the Scotts, uh, who went to a cult down in Waco, Texas, not the Branch Davidians, all right? I know, same place, same time, weird, I know. What's going on with Waco? Let's pray. But uh, 
totally different cult. <laughs> this cult uh, is called Heritage Homestead. Uh, you can look it up online. They, um, so there's like, when we went, there was like 600 of them and they lived like in this uh, uh, community on the Brazos River and they like pretended they were Amish, you know? Uh, and so they would like farm with horses and like, uh, you know, all the ladies had like dresses, you know, like uh, they were trying to make a ankles sexy again, okay? <laughs> like they had the long dresses, they don't cut their hair, you know, they like sometimes wear head coverings and stuff. And, and uh, like, you know, you can't actually live that way, right? Like you can't actually live off the land with a horse, like it's not a thing. So I found out later, like most of the dads like had jobs in Waco, you know, but they live in this community on the Brazos River. Is there Amish people here? <laughs> Your place of pain will become your place. Okay. So, uh, and so um, the way that this, this community operates, right? Like, first of all, there's a bunch of ex-Amish, ex-Mennonite, ex-UPC, ex-Fundamental Baptist. Like, if you could get all the most religious people all together on the same team, that's what they did. They pulled it off. And so uh, they live in this community, and they open to the, the Sunday services are closed to the public, which is your first clue. It's a cult, right? Like, you should write that down if you're ever worried, okay? But the weekend after Thanksgiving, they have a huge craft fair that's open to the public and they sell like beeswax and wool and soap, you know, Amishy stuff. And uh, it's open to the public and it's, uh, what they do is they have watchers. And uh, th what the watchers do is they look for large, ill-adjusted homeschool families. <laughs> that wasn't even a joke, but I appreciate the joy in the room. Because... <laughs> Because they're trying to grow, and they have grown. There, there's actually, uh, I went back down there because I'm writing my book. I went back down there to their craft fair this last year, and there's 12, uh, 1,200 of them now. Uh, a lot of that is because they have like 18 babies, okay? But they are proselytizing as well, all right? So uh, we went to the fair, and uh, our watcher, his name is Curtis Brown, and so he like kind of like came up and started hitting it off with us, and he took us on a behind-the-scenes tour, and you know, and then what they do is they begin to invite you to what they call Friday night meetings, right? Because the Sunday service is closed, okay? And so you would, we would drive down there on Friday nights, and uh, and so okay, I'm I'm in the hood, right? All I want to do is rap and play basketball, and now. Thursday and Friday, I'm like walking behind a horse, picking up sweet potatoes, like hating my life. I'm like, what is happening? It was, it was like Weird Al Yankovic, right? Like Amish paradise. It's like the theme song of my life at this point, right? And uh, now my sisters are all wearing long dresses. They can't cut their hair. So like my friends are riding by like, little house on the prairie, little house. I'm like, shut up, Tyrone. You know, I don't... I don't need this abuse. I didn't make this choice, right? So it's like super awkward, right? And so, uh, such a weird story, but it's true. And uh, so I'm, I'm living in this weirdness. And, and so Andrew Scott comes up to me one day. I'm 11 years old. Uh, he's 12. He comes up to me and uh, bless his heart. He's ready to share the bad news, right? How many of you know Jesus said, go unto all the world, world and share the bad news, right? And so he was a rock star at it. He opens the conversation with, hey, man, you ever heard about hell? I'm like, no, <laughs> right? So he tells me about hell. I'm like, this is not good, right? He's like, but if you ask Jesus into your heart to be your savior, then, then when you die, you go to heaven. I'm like, well, what's heaven? And he points up and he's like, well, 
it's up there and you like, you sit on a cloud and you sing to God all day. I was like, all day? He was like, all day. I was like, for how long? He was like, forever. I was like, man, that doesn't sound a whole lot better than hell, but I guess, I guess I'd choose that, right? I know I'm not the only one. How many of y'all, how many of y'all got saved because someone shared the bad news and you had to make a choice, right? So bless his heart. The issue with all that, though, is that you get introduced to an angry God, right? That's the worst part of that whole thing. We need reformation in the area of evangelism, right? Because when you get introduced to angry God who is super ticked about your sin and somebody's going to pay, but luckily Jesus threw the block. No, daddy, right? And, and now he can stand to look at you. Look, that's the evangelical approach of most of our nation, right? It's messed up, the bad news. Good grief. So how many of you know if all of your theology is not built upon the foundation of a good, kind, loving, heavenly father, you should probably tear that mug down and start back over, right? And so uh, I got introduced to angry, angry God, angry dad, right? And uh, uh, right after I got saved is when my prophetic started to kick in, but I had no grid for it. I didn't know what was happening, uh, but I would like have dreams and then my dream would play out exactly the next day. And uh, the first time that happened to me, I remember that uh, in my dream, I went into the front room and there was a book laying on the coffee table that I had been reading in real life. I sat down, I began to read it. And when I got to a specific sentence on a specific page, my mother came around the side of of the room and told me to go unload the dishwasher, right? The next day, I'm outside playing, right? I come in, because it's hot, it's Dallas, and I sit down, and that book is laying there. I pick it up, and I start reading what I had not read in the natural, but I had read in my dream, word for word. And when I got to that specific sentence on that specific page, my mother comes around the side and tells me to go unload the dishwasher. I'm like, this is weird. I don't know what's happening, but I don't have a grid for it. But that's kind of how the prophetic began to unlock in my life. And uh, so... Now, we are driving down to Waco every weekend, right? My family is getting weirder and weirder. And uh, they gave us all Bibles, but they told us not to read it until they had read that portion with us and explained to us what it meant. But I was the rebellious son, so I would hide in the closet and I read the whole Bible cover to cover when I was 11. And luckily, that established within me, I, I couldn't tell you what all the truth was, but when something that wasn't true hit me, I knew that it wasn't true. And that preserved me through that, through that situation. And so, uh, we go to that cult for, uh, um, for two or three years and as one does, you know, (laughs) sometimes you got to shop around, right? (laughs) That cult doesn't feed me, you know? (laughs) Oh my goodness. You guys are a good crowd. So uh, when I'm 13, my dad and my mother, they have to take the test over the constitution of the church, right? And that's how the uh, Blair Adams and the cult leader, other cult leaders there, how they determine who gets to become a covenant member, move down into the community and start attending Sunday services. And so my dad fails the test, right? Which, uh, <laughs> thanks dad. Uh, which looking back, I'm like, I'm like, you know, it probably, there probably is no pass and fail. It's probably like, they just decide if they want you or not, right? 
so, but my dad is a winner, right? So he goes out and uh, he circles up a bunch of other losers that got kicked out of the cult. <laughs> and he starts his own cult, all right? <laughs> yeah, I know. And so, uh, and things just getting, start, keep getting crazier and crazier. You know, they would, they would, they'd wake me up and, and shine light in my face and like scream scriptures at me. And, um, I would get beat and I'd have to, you know, recite like Proverbs, the, the rebellious son will get his eyes picked out by the ravens in the valley, you know, in between hits and stuff. I know the, the whole story just <laughs> took a dark turn. I'm okay. All right. <clears throat> Sorry to bring it down, <laughs> but uh, it's just getting insane, right? And, and I, again, I'm the only one that's like not accepting what is, what is normal, right? And so uh, it, it just got, got super crazy and like things just got more and more restrictive. Like we wouldn't go anywhere. We were just in the house all the time and uh, it was just such a weird, weird thing. And so I ran away twice when I was 15. The cops brought me back. Ran away when I was 16, uh, and the, the cops were like, you can legally emancipate yourself. I was like, well, where do I sign up for that? That's, I don't know what you mean, but it sounds like I get out, so let's do that. And so legally emancipated myself, um, bounced in and out of a foster care system, stayed with an aunt for a long time, and then met uh, Mark and Cinda Urquhart, who are from Amarillo, that were going to Dallas Baptist University. They were youth pastors. They took me in, became my adopted family. My daughter is named after her. And so uh, for all of you big-hearted people in the room, I'm okay. I've got family, right? God restored all that. It's good. And um, so let's see here. So when I ran away when I was 16, I was so afraid that I was going to get taken back that like my prophetic piece went to a whole nother level, but in an unhealthy way, because I was under the duress of the spirit of fear, the spirit of terror, really. And so I would see the demonic everywhere with my physical eyes. And it was horrendous. And uh, so it took me about three days to, to figure out how to shut it off. Uh, but the sad thing about that is when you shut off your prophetic receptors, you shut off everything uh, to be able to receive in that realm. And so, um, you know, I needed to do that at that time because I didn't have any guidance uh, in the prophetic, you know. And so, um, so from there, I went to, went to Bible college at Arlington Baptist University, and uh, that didn't go super great either. And I would always get sent to the president's office, you know, because my professors would say crazy things like, uh, like, bless God, brother, that, that God sees you through rose-colored glasses. In other words, thankfully, God sees you through the blood of Jesus so he can stand you because if he, if he saw who you really were, he would be filled with wrath and want to throw you in hell, right? You know, that, that comes from our Protestant line, right? Martin Luther wrote, bless God that we are but snow-covered dung. Well, that's nice. <laughs> I was going to take a minute to sink in, but, uh, <laughs> all right. So I'd get sent to the, sent to the president's office quite often. And so, uh, after my second year, went to do an internship for Mark Urquhart, who was, had taken a youth pastor position in Amarillo. And, uh, that's what moved me up there. And so for the next season of my life, I'm really either uh, doing music or I'm working in churches, okay? And so uh, despite my appearance, I really can rap at a, yeah. You want to hear a little bit? All right. <laughs> you can't just say it. <laughs> Dang, dude. All right. 
Let's see here. Everybody's looking for 16 bars of fanatical phrases, factual data for lines ripped from radical pages, practical said I was gone, hacked and waxed like a daisical, but I'm back jacked and strapped. No more gradual tactical moves, bro. You won't know though what hit you. My ninja lines bend your mind like a neurovirus bit you. Got you jerking, jiggy working over time, a rhymes for certain, falling short to leave you hurting. Someone call to close the curtain. Let me spit a line for the divine mind that resides inside of mine, primed to shine ahead of my timeline like a fine wine. I'm better with age. I call it vineyard grind. All right. <laughs> thank you. And so, oh, Sammy, thank you, thank you. And so, uh, I opened for Lecrae, Tadashi, all those guys, and then I had a rock band. It was back when rapcore was really popular, like POD style, and in uh, a band called Reconciled, and we had a lot of fun. And and so, uh, did the music thing, and then when I wasn't doing that, I was leading worship and and you know wearing all the hats and. Uh, I kind of progressed from, you know, from the Baptist church to non-denominational, light charismatic, and, and that's where my, I began to be able to turn my prophetic back on, right, in a healthy way, and, and uh, you know, in that, the Holy Spirit began to speak to me when I was 30 years old, and he would say, uh, he would ask me every day, what is the kingdom? Don't you wish sometimes God would just tell you things instead of ask you questions, right? <laughs> But every day, what is the kingdom? What is the kingdom? I'm like, I don't know. They didn't teach us that in Bible college, at least not my Bible college, right? Because how many of you know that most of the American church preaches a gospel about Jesus and fails to preach the gospel that Jesus preached? Yeah. Jesus, time and time again, the kingdom is like, the kingdom is like, the kingdom is like. And then he even mandates us, seek the kingdom first. Why do we seek the kingdom first? Because it's the first thing that man lost. When man fell in the garden... How many of you know he didn't fall out of relationship with God? God followed him out of the garden, right? Man fell out of proximity and position in the kingdom. We lost the kingdom first, right? And we lost his righteousness. God didn't fall in the garden. Man fell in the garden. God's nature didn't change in the garden. Man's nature changed in the garden. So man's perception of his righteousness fell and he became an angry God in that moment causing man to hide, right? So Jesus says, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all things will be added to you because the kingdom is where you belong. His righteousness is why you belong. Come on, man. I'm preaching myself happy right now. And so, but, but I didn't know any of this at that time. I'm just trying to figure out what the kingdom is, right? So I'm like asking everybody and they're like, well, you know, the kingdom is the church. And I'm like, man, I, I, think the king, I think the church is part of the kingdom, but I don't think it's the kingdom. And some people would say, well, it's the family of God. And I'm like, yeah, I think that's part of the kingdom, but I don't think that's all of the kingdom. And so for six months, I, I was just trying to figure this out, you know? And uh, so at the church I was at at the time, we didn't have a youth pastor. And so I ended up taking uh, all, the, all the youth kids to this uh, conference in Colorado Springs. And, and we had just uh, sat through a session, you know, where, um, you know, it was all like, hey, the whole world's going to hell and, and you better get all your friends saved as quick as you can, you know, one of those good old messages. And, and so I was sitting outside, leaned up against the building and the kids were like eating pizza in this lawn area. And I was like, I was like, God, like either, either you are as powerful as I think you are and you live within me, which means that I have the ability to bring a level of change to the world or what that man said is true and you're an impotent God. I was just being real. 
And, and right then my phone goes off and uh, it was a, a guy that my, my band had played their youth camp for several years in a row. And he says, hey, Dub, we're having a conference and a guy's coming in to, uh, and I'd like you to come hang out. We have got an extra spot. I was like, yeah, man, what's the conference about? He said, well, he's going to be teaching on the kingdom. I was like, I will be there. And so, uh, all right, there you go. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> and so, uh, so I go out there, and that's where I get introduced to uh, Dr. Miles Monroe's teaching and Rediscovering the Kingdom. If anybody hasn't read Rediscovering the Kingdom, uh, after the scriptures, that has been the most impactful piece of literature in my life. And that's where I, I finally caught the revelation of the definition of the kingdom being that the kingdom is the extension of the heart and the authority of God from the unseen realm into the seen realm through you. I'll say that again. The kingdom is the extension of the heart and the authority of God from the unseen realm into the seen realm through you and I. Because how many of you know that God was existing in, in probably infinite and eternal dimensions, and one day he said, I'm going to create a new dimension today, a dimension called the physical dimension. And even though I would be the best ruler of this dimension, I'm actually going to choose sovereignly to withhold my sovereignty from this dimension and rule through it in partnership with sons and daughters. How many of you know that dominion is what you were made for? Right? Genesis, Genesis 1.26. We're eavesdropping on a conversation amongst the Trinity who has existed eternally within, the, 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 within loving relationship, and they enjoyed it so much, they said, let's expand this dynamic with sons and daughters. And so they say, let us make man, mankind, in our image and likeness, and let them have dominion. And this one verse holds the keys to two questions that philosophers around the world throughout the ages have been asking, what is the reason that I exist, and what is the purpose for which I exist? And both are held in that one verse. The reason that you exist is to be loved by God and to love him and to live forever in a reciprocal love relationship. But the purpose for which you exist is dominion. Let us make man in our likeness and image and let them have dominion. Because the reason for which something exists and the purpose for which something exists are two different things. The reason a light bulb exists is because an inventor had an idea and the wherewithal to manifest that idea from the unseen into the seen realm. But you can have a light bulb in a carton on the shelf in the closet with a door shut. It has a reason for existing, but it is out of purpose. And so it is with most of mankind. Everyone that you meet has a reason for existing to experience the love of God, to love him back and to live forever in a reciprocal love relationship. However, most people that you meet are out of purpose because they do not know the purpose for which they were created, which is to be the expression of the dominion, the kingship of God in this dimension. You see, God clearly ends something in his mind before he begins it. Let us make mankind in our likeness and image and let them have dominion. He ends it before he went to the dirt to begin it. Because he is the author and the finisher. He is the beginning and the end. He is the alpha and the omega. Which tells me that every single one of you sitting in this room today, you have already been clearly ended in the mind of God. And the adventure of the kingdom is you discovering and aligning with the purpose for which you were made. Woo, come on. Man. Anyways. Uh... So, I, so I, I, I begin to capture the revelation of the kingdom. And I tried to take it into the church that I was at and it didn't go over good. And so I gracefully excused myself 
And uh, I was for real though, I did. And I was like, you know what? Arts and entertainment is the other realm that I have a lot of favor in and a lot of experience in. I'm just gonna figure out how to break it in there. And so I began to focus in that direction. Uh, but then a prophet came to the church and he's, he's, he points at me and he says, Dub, God is remantling you for government. I was like, all right, like, I don't know anything about government. I've never had a conversation with a government official, but you know, I'm up for it. And so then it began to come to me. I began to catch the revelation. Well, you know, the kingdom is familial in nature, meaning it is a royal family, but it is governmental in structure. It is a royal family that is meant to rule and reign, right? Jesus didn't come to bring a religion. He came to bring a government, right? Unto us, the son is given and the government will be upon his shoulders. And of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Jesus came to restore the governance of God, which is what? Him ruling this dimension through you. And so I realized I had spent three years consuming everything that I could about the kingdom. And I may not know anything about man's government, but I know the government of God very well. I understand that we are citizens in the kingdom, that we are ambassadors of Christ Jesus. And each one of those is a message within itself. And we were created to be diplomats for the kingdom. A diplomat is a high-ranking government ambassador that has the ability to go into a foreign territory and to help craft and author legislation of a territory they don't even belong to. And that's what you were made to do. So I'm like, you know what? I don't know man's government, but you can hand me any man's government and I can see what needs to be shifted to align with the way God does government. So I'm up for it. Let's do it. And so... Uh, a couple of months later, that, that prophet calls me, and he happens to be uh, serve the first family of Uganda as a prophet. He says, hey, man, get your passport. I'm going to Uganda. I want you to go with me. I was like, all right, man, let's do it. So I had a, uh, a 79 Monte Carlo lowrider at the time. Uh, how many of you guys have seen Training Day? Shame on you. We're in church. <laughs> So it was like that one, right? But it had radical air suspension. It would go from pancake to all four wheels, six inches off the ground with one hit. It was pretty sweet. And I had to sell it and buy suits. I'm, it's sad, I know, right? But how many of you know Joseph had to change his raiment before he went into Pharaoh? So I've lived in the church culture. I've lived in the, in the rap and rock culture, but I've never lived in the governmental culture. So sold the lowrider, bought some suits, got my passport. I go over there with him. They love him over there. Rolled out the red carpet, presidential escorts everywhere. And uh, I, I, I encountered three things. Number one, I was experiencing a massive amount of deja vu. Now, I would hold to the idea that deja vu is when you catch up with where God has placed your face in the future. Where do we see that in scripture? We see it in scripture. Saul is on the road to Damascus, right? He gets struck blind and he's laid up. God comes to Ananias, says, Ananias, there is a man named Saul on Straight Street. I have shown him your face. In other words, I have put your face in the future. And when Ananias goes and stands before Saul, he catches up to where God put his face in the future. It unlocked Saul's sight and he became Paul. So God has put your face in the future. And when you show up, you are there to unlock something for someone. Come on, somebody. All right. This is, this is a clue to convergence. Most of us don't know the tools and the way to step into living a lifestyle of convergence. We have moments of convergence where we feel most alive and actuated, but it is possible to discern your identity, to discover your purpose, to see your destiny at a high enough rate that you can live in a life of convergence. All right. That's a whole nother message. Focus dub. All right. So, uh, I'm experiencing a lot of deja vu and I'm sitting at tables uh, with, with all the ministers. Everyone say ministers. 
How many of you know that the church is meant to carry the graces of the pastor, the teacher, the prophet, the apostle, and the evangelist for the equipping of the, for the work of the. Now with our American mindset, when we hear the word ministry, we usually think church related, pastoral, or serving, but it's actually a governmental term. Because as I travel the world working for the UN, I sit with the Minister of Finance, the Minister of Tourism, the Minister of Agriculture, the Minister of Banking. It means one who administrates the will of the country that they represent. So you are made for the equipping of, of to, to administrate the kingdom everywhere that you go, okay? That was for free. So I'm sitting around and uh, with the different ministers and I'm hearing conversations and uh, I'm, I'm getting strategies prophetically for things that, that would benefit what it is that they're going through. Thirdly, I'm aware that I am unaware or ignorant to protocol of high levels of global government. And so... I'm going to shorten this down. So, uh, so I end up meeting an ambassador uh, from another nation who's a kingdom guy, and he was kind enough to do six months of statesman training with me to teach me the protocols, the languages, the titles, the seating arrangements, uh, and how to move in high levels of government, right? Because how many of you know that, that there is value in the natural, yes. right? There's value in the supernatural, and that's amazing, but sometimes we can so value the supernatural that we forget that the natural is pretty super as well. And if we're faithful to do the natural, God will put his super on it, right? A lot of people are running around looking for a double anointing. Let me tell you the easiest way to get a double anointing is take the one anointing that you have and then pair excellence in the natural with it, and you will move with a double anointing. Come on. All right, so... So after I developed that, that statesman piece, you know, then I, I begin, uh, at the end of that, he's like, um, you know, Dub, if you really want to impact global government for the kingdom, you need to pick a global issue, discover a kingdom solution, and then put it out on a covert platform. How many of you know that, that truth is truth? It doesn't have to wear a Jesus t-shirt, right? Because truth is not a thing, it's the person of Jesus Christ. So when you release truth into a situation, it's going to do what truth is going to do, and truth makes people free, right? And so I was like, okay, man, I'm up for it. You know, what, uh, you know, what, what does this look like? He said, what makes, what makes you angry? What do you hate? I said, I hate fatherlessness. And he said, well, that's a global issue. Discover a kingdom solution and create a covert platform. So I spent nine months and I developed Fathers Add Value, which is a covert platform that teaches people to become aware of the fatherless around them, recognize that they are lacking in probably three arenas. That would be protection, provision, and empowerment or promotion. And that the, the ability to provide for someone is limited by your personal resources. The, limit, the limitation of protecting someone is limited by your proximity to the individual, but empowerment is unlimited. So how do you recognize someone who is lacking in that area and shift them into an empowered state? You do that by choosing to trust them before they deserve it, choosing to intentionally encourage them, and then choosing to leverage whatever platform and resources you have to present them to the world in the right way. And so I roll that out. And this ambassador told me, he said, when you do that, the doors will open for you everywhere. And he wasn't lying. Within six months, I went from speaking at local government meetings in Amarillo to being asked to go and speak in Washington, D.C. And uh, so I get called in. Man, time is, let me see here. Um, okay, so, so I begin to work uh, in high levels of government, uh, infiltrating covertly as a prophet. 
okay? Prophets, whenever I meet a prophet in government, they've come in one of two ways. One is through invitation and one is through infiltration. And both of them are needed, right? So you have like a Chris Valentin, right? He gets invited to come speak to government officials. They know he's a prophet. He's received as a prophet. They expect him to speak as a prophet, right? I come in through infiltration, right? So I catch the prophetic. I'm presented as a consultant or an advisor, but I don't know anything about what they're talking about, but I know the one who knows all the things. In fact, I'm one with the one who knows all the things, right? So I simply take what I hear prophetically, verbally engineer it, taking the Christianese out of it, right? And present it as I believe it would be wisdom to consider, right? And so this all begins to open up for me. And um, so through a long chain of events, uh, how many of you guys know Dan O'McCollum? Dan O the Mano, right? I love that guy. And so we end up meeting. He's like, hey, Dub, I really enjoy what it is that you're, you're doing in government and the prophetic. I'd like you to come speak at a prophetic roundtable. So I'm like, yeah, man, let's do it. And so uh, I go to the mission in Vacaville and we're hanging out in the hangar, which is like their little side auditorium. And, uh, and the, the prophet's roundtable is about to kick off. And um, to make a long story short, Dano asked me to get up and share a testimony of what it looks like to work as a covert prophet in government. And so I get up and I share a testimony but I don't share the name of the country that I was working with, as you normally wouldn't. Uh, how many of you know Kim Moss? Two people. Awesome. All right. Shout out to Kim. She's amazing. And so Kim Moss happens to be there, who I did not know. She stands up in the back room and back room in the back room. She's like bilocational. No, back row. And she stands up and she says, uh, Dub, God is sending you to Guyana. They have just found oil and they need your wisdom. She said, America made Guyana famous for being a cult of death. And in that moment, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and he said, son, as you know what it is to bear the soul wound of a father who was a cult leader, now I am sending you to a nation that bears the soul wound of a cult so you can father it back into its original identity. How many of you know that your place of pain becomes your place of rain, right? So sure enough, uh, Sure enough, man, like four weeks later, I get a call from this organization that I work for as a UN liaison in Washington, D.C., and uh, the vice president is on the phone. He says, hey, we're taking a trip to Guyana and Suriname. I'm like, all right, here we go, you know? And so uh, two weeks later, he calls, says, hey, Guyana can canceled. We're just going to Suriname. I said, I'm going to Guyana. I'll meet you in Suriname. And he said, uh, this guy's amazing. Uh, when I first met him, he was, uh, he was a born again believer, but didn't believe like in the prophetic and stuff. Uh, now he's like, he prophesies himself. We have a great relationship. So I tell him the story and he's like, dude, I'm going with you to Guyana. And so uh, we fly over to Guyana together and I'm just uh, on the plane flight. I'm crafting this prophetic word to, to release over the nation, uh, you know, addressing what America did to that nation. And um, it was crazy because I had my headphones in and that uh, the Lazarus song came on. And you came, I knew that you would come. And you spoke, my heart had woke up. And I was hearing the nation sing that to me. It was inviting me, even on the plane flight there, you came, I knew that you would come. You spoke, my heart had woke up, right? So I start bawling, I'm sitting by this dude I don't know, he like pretends to go to sleep. It's like super awkward, right? <laughs> And so I craft the word, we get to Guyana, we land and, and I begin to notice, man, like, like everywhere that I go, they're playing like late nineties R and B and hip hop. I'm like, this is amazing. Like what is happening here? And, uh, so we, we go to the hotel 
And uh, I've got to share this funny story. So uh, me and, and the, vi- the VP, we get up to, uh, up to the room and we walk in. It was at the Ramada Princess. And uh, there's, there's like a, a toilet and a closet over here. And then there's two beds. And then there's a glass shower in between the beds with a spotlight. <laughs> and so we're like, because uh, like the first thing you think is this must be the honeymoon suite. And then you're like, why are there two beds? Like... <laughs> Is this the swinger suite? What is happening here? And so, uh, but there was a balcony, so we were like, hey, from 3 to 3.30, you call your wife, okay? So we work it out, right? So uh, anyway, I go out on the balcony, and uh, I release the word over the nation, and I hear the Lord say, well done, son. The nation now has a clean slate. And so I was like, man, that was such an amazing thing to get to be a part of. And my whole story is coming back full circle. And I'm seeing how my place of pain has become my place of rain. And, and you know, growing up with, uh, in a cult, you know, with abusive parents becomes super worth it when God uses you to clean the slate of a nation, right? Like I'm willing to make that exchange. And so uh, we go down and we, we're going to eat dinner at this uh, Japanese restaurant in the bottom of the hotel. And, and I'm pulling up to the table. Remember, everywhere, 90s rap and R&B. I'm pulling up to the table and uh, Amarillo by Morning comes on. Yeah. And the VP, he, he goes, the Lord is with us. <laughs> I was like, it's true. And... Uh, so at that, at that dinner, so like, you know, uh, you know, the Japanese steakhouses, you sit at a communal table, right? A billionaire, minor, mi- minor, he was very young, <laughs> a billionaire that owned a mining company, okay? He ends up sitting at the table with us. We hit it off. He's like, hey, man, uh, I'm going to the embassy tomorrow for a party. I've got extra tickets. Y'all want to go? We're like, well, yes, we do. Right. So we end up going, meeting the president. The president ends up hooking us up with the vice president. And we go and spend three hours with him the next day doing what? Bringing wisdom to how the country has just found massive amounts of oil. The culture is about to accelerate like crazy. How do you how do you bless and integrate the indigenous people that don't live in the city so that they get to experience the blessing of the nation? Just like Kim said. And so we come home from that trip and, uh, and the VP is like, hey, we're going to go and, and debrief at the UN. And so that was my first time to the UN, uh, but we pulled up uh, and uh, the Lord reminded me, he had told me before, Dub, I've made you to be an answer to the nations. And so we pull up and I hear that word again. It was like he tapped me on the shoulder. Hey, son, I made you to be an answer to the nations. And I go in and at that meeting, I end up meeting uh, a gentleman who was on the board of Miles Monroe's UN ECOSOC and uh, end up getting a position um, in the UN. And that's how everything uh, began to open up for me. And, but I, I just wanted to share, you know, that God can do amazing things, right? I went from the hood to the hill, right? (laughs) Like, uh, it doesn't matter what has come against you. You need to engage what it is that has come against you in your life. And you need to flip it and see, oh, I was struck here so that I could do violence to the system of darkness here, right? You'll never hear me say kingdom of darkness, side note, because the kingdom needs a king. And Satan has been dethroned, right? We operate from the kingdom of light that has power plus authority versus the system of darkness, which only has power. Power plus authority trumps power every day, right? And so as we go out as kingdom representatives and we displace the system of darkness from where the enemy is illegally squatting, 
then we have the opportunity to establish the kingdom of God. And that is what we are, we are called to do in this time and in this season. From revival into reformation. Where is your place of pain and where is your place of reign? I mentioned it briefly um, in the word a minute ago uh, for Cody about, you know, we all begin as orphans. But you, especially if you, get, if you get born again under the bad news, right? Because you're born, again, you're in the kingdom, but you have no idea who your father really is. But hopefully we move from orphans to sons, right? Now we know how good our dad is. We know how he feels about us. We know how he owns everything. But listen, being a son of God is enough for me for forever, but the world is dying for me to become a king. Because a king knows everything the son knows, and he knows the responsibility his father has given him to be about his father's business. And the highest form of kingship is your ability to outserve everybody. I always say, would you rather be served by a butler or a king? Listen, a butler can only serve you with what you have. But if a king shows up with his or her own authority, influence, opportunity, wealth, favor, and chooses to leverage that on your behalf, it'll change the world. And the end goal, we're made in the image of God, which contains father. The end goal is to become a kingdom mother, a kingdom father. Because a kingdom father knows how to reach down and pull an orphan into sonship. A kingdom mother knows how to pull a daughter into queenship. A kingdom father knows how to pull a king into fatherhood. And that's the ultimate calling that's on our lives. So if I can leave you with anything, it would be this. Your place of pain can become your place of reign. That we are moving from a season of revival into the maturation of revival expressed in reformation. You have been revived unto reformation. And thirdly, I only had two, so that's good. Uh, we can have Stephen come up, and uh, I just want to uh, lead you guys in just two quick things. If you want to stand with me, and uh, it's going to be two declarations. So the first is going to be addressing uh, the place of pain in your life. You know, Joseph said when his brothers came to him, he said, do not be mad at yourself. Do not be frustrated with yourself. It was for your sake that God sent me here ahead of you. It was to save lives that God sent me here ahead of you. His place of pain became his place of rain. And so right now, I just want you to repeat this after me if you feel comfortable. Just say, in this moment, I powerfully recognize the places of pain in my life are clues to my purpose. I thank you, God, that I can't lose in the kingdom. And I declare, let it be known that my place of pain shall be my place of rain. Where the enemy struck against me, I will do violence to the system of darkness. All right. And now let's all together just declare this. Let it be known that I am a powerful, much loved child of God, that I am a powerful king in the kingdom, and that I am becoming a father or a mother in the kingdom. Let all this be so. All right. Thank you. Amen. In a good old Southern expression, if that don't get you fired up, then your wood's wet. Come on.
Wow. Aren't you thankful for the anointing and the ministry that's on Dub's life? You know, this is God's, this is, yeah, come on. This is God's plan. (laughs) This is what the body of Christ is supposed to look like. This is why we have the body, because God uses the expressions of the kingdom through individuals. And, uh, you know, for too long, uh, religion has uh, isolated those gifts. And I think for us in in the year, these coming years, uh, reformation is a good word because I think God is reforming uh, what the church really looks like and what the church really was designed for and and what it means, which is family and dominion. And uh, crossing over those borders, crossing over those boundary lines and inviting people into our environments that carry the love and the gift that the Holy Spirit has given them from the kingdom. And I think it's just a beautiful, a beautiful, beautiful thing that we get to see with the people that God places his hand on. And uh, we all get to operate in that place of revealing the kingdom to this world. Amen. Well, we love you guys, and uh, if you need prayer this morning, we're going to invite a few of our, our, our people to come up front here to pray for you. Some of our students, if you guys would come up here, that would be great. And um, any of our uh, Revive Group leaders that are here, if y'all want to come up. But we want you to know we love you. We want you to know that you're welcome here all the time, and that you're family, and we love you. And, you know, if anything resonates with what resonates with what Dub said today is that we we understand that we were created for a purpose and that purpose is to mirror what Jesus did and to mirror heaven mirror the kingdom and so uh, love you guys y'all have a great Sunday afternoon and God bless you